and then you put the filter up in the top of the coffee maker. Gotta get that drip, gotta drip, 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 a drip, a drip, a drip, drip, drip. Got to drip, a drip, a drip, drip, drip. Gotta drip, baby, drip. Then you put it in your cup. Now, now you gon' I don't give a good goddamn, baby. I'ma give my energy up. I'm gonna do it. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, August 19th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here, as always, we got Tass Mills. And we finally got a cool white guy rapping on this show. Fantastic news. <laughs> we also have the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o! Hey-o! The international man of mystery is back, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. <laughs> And last but not least, making this magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. We see you in the chats. Get your questions and comments in there. And keep emailing them in, those emails and those comments, to nodunks at theathletic.com. Plan is to still do a little beach stepping once a week. So get those emails and comments in. We got a lot to talk about here this morning. We got five guys humming along. So let's get right into it. We're going to play a little bit more. It's just one game, but completely overreact to the four new game ones we had on Tuesday. We'll start in the Western Conference. We'll start with the nightcap task. Damian Lillard scores 34 as the Blazers beat the Lakers 100 to 93 is that right is that a typo in game one get a started task it's just one game but it's just one game but anthony davis has a severe case of amnesia he can't remember how to play basketball it's gone <laughs> he, he didn't look like anthony davis out there but i do think uh it's more of a case yeah here come the excuses i think it's more the case the lakers just aren't comfortable i think he follows lebron's lead and I don't think LeBron and AD know where their shots are coming from. And he was hesitant. I would say both guys. LeBron's stat line looks phenomenal. uh, But I think when he got into the paint, he did see some big men. And he was a little hesitant uh, getting into into the paint. And Anthony Davis... I, I use the word amnesia in that he was he was reluctant the way he was shooting the basketball uh, because he took... Uh, or he made, I should say, one shot outside of the paint. And that's not Anthony Davis. I mean, he is the most dominant big man in the game right now. And I, I think that he just, him and LeBron, whether it's, you know, not having home court advantage, not being in the Staples Center, not just being used to the situation. I think LeBron has talked about that. And I think it's true. But I think that, uh, that is a big factor just right now. They just don't know how to get into the lane, figure out where their shots are coming from. It's been the same sort of scenario throughout this bubble and where they're going to find their shooters and how it's going to go. So everybody's sort of hesitant. And the fact that the Blazers, yeah, you, you mentioned the score, held them under, under 100 points. The Blazers haven't done that since January 7th to an opponent, period. And uh, it, was, it was just odd to see those two great basketball players just not know where the shots are coming from, and then it, it trickles down to every single player down there. And yeah, we'll give some kudos to the Blazers, but I think you got to start right there. The two best players uh, are going to be watching a lot of film going into Game Two, and, and they they're going to have to learn. Period. I mean, they can gonna watch have to all the game film they want. They just have to hit shots. This has been insane to watch the team that was really good offensively all regular season long on the way to the number one seed in the West in the bubble for whatever the reasons are. 
uh, the sight lines, the no fans, whatever you want to come up with, they just can't shoot. They were 5 of 32 here from deep again last night. Their backcourt, Danny Green, Pope, nothing. Nothing. Like you said, AD continuing to struggle from outside the paint. Like, this is just wild at this point. We will get to giving the Blazers their you know rightful credit for taking and stealing this game one. But Trey, Lee, Trey, whoever wants to jump in here, <laughs> um, you know, are you concerned at all that the Lakers are never just going to find their shot? Because the Blazers' defense is not that good. They just couldn't hit anything and haven't been able to do so the entire bubble. Let's get Lee Ellis in that bubble. The Lakers need a shot yeah. doctor. They're the only team that hasn't figured out how to shoot in this gym. Every other team raves about the, shi- uh, the shot shooting lines, sight lines, sight shite lines, lines yeah. whatever you want to call them. Every other team loves them. Every other team is shooting the ball incredibly well. Not the Lakers. You even saw it late in the fourth quarter. LeBron and AD both brick back-to-back free throws. That was a huge miss, but to me... Anthony Davis wasn't good. LeBron's stat line looks good, but LeBron did not do enough for the Lakers. He was guarded by Melo, and there were times where he would catch the ball at the three-point line. Melo's two feet off him. He doesn't even look at the hoop. LeBron doesn't. He's just moving the ball, wants to get other people involved, and yeah, that's the LeBron way. Uh, We shouldn't have been super surprised that he would have a little bit of a chill mode in game one. The guy loves... Uh, a feel-out game, but yeah, true. I don't want to see a feel-out game from LeBron. If you've got Carmelo Anthony on you, you don't need to be shooting outside jumpers. If your team is 5 for 32, just shoot in the lane. John Schumann had the in-the-lane stats last night. They were incredible. The Lakers just weren't focused enough getting there, and LeBron just needs to do more. Let's see a 40-point game already. I think as well, uh, added to that, when Melo wasn't on him, Gary Trent Jr. wasn't. Gary Trent Jr. battled. I, I thought he put his body on the line there, and he really tried to get LeBron sort of uncomfortable when he did sort of post him up there. But LeBron has to look at and see, hey, this is Gary Trent Jr. I can go inside. I can do whatever I want here and get any shot I, I feel like. Because you look at those numbers, LeBron 9 for 20. Fine. That's fine. The 16 assists, he was getting other guys involved. Only 1 for 5 from downtown. So, yeah, the stat line itself, you think, well, LeBron must have had a good game. But he certainly didn't put his imprint on this when it counted in that fourth quarter, especially when Lillard was doing this, the opposite for his team where he was just carrying his team hitting some of those just absurd three-pointers that we've seen him hit all bubble long. But uh, LeBron was outplayed by Damian Lillard. Now, it's only one game, and we have seen this before from a LeBron team where that first game you think, well, oh, maybe they're not that good. So they've still got plenty of time to figure out, and I think ultimately they do in this series. But uh, certainly a team coming in in form like the Blazers, they just went to what they knew, what they know works, and that is try to keep it close, and then you've got Lillard to close it out. I thought C.J. McCollum was great as well. Um, But uh, I think this was just one of those games where the Lakers kind of felt they were probably just going to pull away from the uh, Blazers. But instead, Lillard Lillard time turned up and uh, it was just another incredible performance from Dame. Yeah, it sounds crazy because it's a 1-8 matchup. But I honestly felt like this game was the least surprising outcome from all the game ones we've seen over the last two days. I truly believe that because the Lakers have looked like garbage offensively the entire time down there. So they were hoping like suddenly they were just going to hit a bunch of shots and didn't happen. The Blazers, you said it, Lee, have been playing playoff basketball for nine games prior now, if you count the play-in game. Every game was high stakes. Every, you know, every fourth quarter for the most part was really close because they allow a lot of teams to stick around. And then I told you LA was winning this thing in six before the series even started. I didn't even know who they were playing because they haven't impressed all that much. Um, Man, and then the Blazers, like, look, Mello moving his feet on defense. You said Gary Trent Jr. as well. Whiteside, Tass, was that the greatest Whiteside game you've seen him play in a Blazers uniform? I'm not even kidding. I don't even know what his box score is. I haven't even looked at it. 
he was making plays. He was engaged. He blocked a couple Lakers there uh, late in this game. I thought that was the best he's looked in a Portland uniform. He definitely looked good. I think the whole roster looked good because an eight seed gets confidence when a one seed doesn't play like a one seed. And that's what happened in the early game with the Bucks and the Magic. Uh, the The Lakers were absolutely building the confidence of the Blazers in, in that game. And so when... Whiteside had five fouls, and Nurkic had five fouls, and Melo had five fouls, and Wendy and Gabriel had five fouls. The Lakers didn't do a thing about it. They did not punish inside. They right. did not get one of those guys fouled out. And LeBron is going to get stankin' calls. He, he will if he goes up with confidence and creates some body contact. He did it to Melo way out on the perimeter. Real fakey-fakey. Got a whistle. Uh, same thing happened with James Harden. On, uh, he had Chris Paul on his hip. It was just fakey-fakey one, and you're going to get a whistle. But even just go up with the, the confidence of a 17-year player into the lane uh, that's that's done absolutely everything in this game. He just was, he was reluctant, even though he was 8 of 14 by the rim. Uh, that That's lowered his percentage from earlier in the playoffs. Uh, and, and I think, again, it's a trickle-down effect. Caruso didn't know where shots were coming from. Um, uh, same with, you know, Danny Green knows where they're coming from. They're just not going to go in generally <laughs> right now. They're just not, they're not happening. Uh, they just, they had advantages there. They had, they, they did, they did go to the lane at times. They did go to the rim at times, and that's why all four of those their big men uh had five fouls uh but really yeah we we give this game one thing uh lebron this 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 philo game thing and, and and i suppose it's true when the the Cavs uh went to the finals the last time in 2018 they had four game ones they were two and two in those games and uh you know they, they came back to win uh one of them anyways uh, against the indiana pacers came back to win one series there uh, it just it, it, it's 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 just been too long a stretch. It's not just one game. It's now nine games where they're yeah. kind of up and down and unable to finish games. That they had three baskets in the last seven minutes. Period. That six points in the last seven minutes. Um, it just proves they're just they're not feeling good either. It's not even just like hey, let's flick this shot up and see if it goes in. It's uh, they they just look like they forgot how to drive and take body contact. And uh, yeah, a lot of lot of game tape, and hopefully that helps them. I mean, will they, will where, they where change their from? game plan? Do you think uh, Vogel does something different right away in game two, or will he not overreact? Like, will Kuzma get the start? Like, what do you think, Trey? I think the biggest adjustment is LeBron being more aggressive. But after that, I think you look at the stretch in the third quarter where AD was playing the five, and the Lakers looked the best they did. You know, when the shots haven't been dropping, but the space helps, and I think that playing. Davis at the five encourages him to be a little bit more closer to the rim. So I think that that would be um, a key. You know, Dwight was throwing his body around out there last night. That dude was looking like a defensive end, just chucking people around. Uh, Same with JaVale McGee. They were active on the glass. They just weren't able to convert anything after they grabbed the offensive rebounds. So maybe you give it another game of playing a lot of big guys, but then maybe it's uh, 80 at the five. Uh, for the entirety of the series. You're playing into what the Blazers can do if you're playing Anthony Davis at the four and, and because they at least have Nurkic and Whiteside to play you know throw AD at the five they got to throw another wingman out there and then they get real thin they don't have Trevor Reese out there they get extremely thin and when you play Anthony Davis at the five more the lane is way more wide open and so it'll be one-on-one in there you saw LeBron and AD almost run into each other at times or AD go in there and Alex Caruso's dinking around in there they, <laughs> they have to know to get out onto the perimeter that's how LeBron teams survive and thrive and the same goes for anthony davis uh he doesn't i guess you don't want to play him 48 minutes but uh yeah i i coos being subbed out for 
after he hit that tough lay-in to put the Lakers up six. It was eight minutes left, and uh, they, they Frank Vogel yanked him. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. He was one of the guys that was going in strong. He's the one of the flexing. guys that could shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like there's no one that can hit a shot right now. He's sort of one of these guys that actually it looks decent, and you took him out. That was a crazy. I think he put Green back in, didn't he, Tass? In that one. Yeah, is that right? Green, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Green was finishing. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, KCP gave them nothing at all no. yesterday, uh, defensively or offensively. I mean, he's out there as a bit of a stopper, and he didn't do any of that, and then he can't hit a shot at all. But let's just uh, give Hassan Whiteside credit because I, you said it there, Skeets. That is by far, by far, the best game I've seen Hassan Whiteside play because he looked engaged and he looked focused and he played to his height. There, you know, he had the five blocks, and I think that is an underrated part of what we saw. The Lakers struggling in the paint for. He was contesting shots. Him and that Nurkic in there together, I'm like, this is not going to work at all. But it did. It did last night because, look, they're getting nothing out of Hazonia and nothing really out of Gary Trent Jr. So Hassan Whiteside, they're basically playing six players and one of those is Whiteside and we all know how he just checks out of games. But last night, a couple of times in the pick and roll, you'd see him hang back a little bit because he didn't want to get killed yeah. by, just a, by just a lob. So he was reading the offense there. And then on defensive end, making those like um, help help defense shot blocks a couple of times. You saw him come over there, just timed it perfectly. And then, I mean, he, he scored, I think he only scored eight points or something in the end. I can't remember. But he was just a, a factor on offense. Uh, I, I yeah. thought he was great. Can he do that again at all for one game in this series? Maybe. Hope so. I would love to see it uh, because he was great. But, um, you know, uh, when you got Nurkic out there as well, he who's just battling. And you mentioned... <laughs> When, when Dwight comes in there and Dwight is just throwing his arms around like that, he gets a lot of silly fouls still. But that, oh, it was know, throwback Dwight last oh, night, 2011. It felt like with all the moving screens and just oh, complaining to the refs 24-7. Yeah. Oh, man. But he, the Blazers even got something out of Gabriel last night, which I was when surprised. Gabriel, he gave them more in the first four minutes of this game than I think Zach Collins had given them the entire bubble run. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Well, Zach's out with the, with the ankle I know, injury. So but he, sure. yeah, before but, the ankle injury, he was giving them nothing. No, he wasn't. He that's really right. Wasn't. He's, he's too thin. But then Gabriel's not a big guy either in terms of his uh, size. He's long. But uh, I just thought he was active. So uh, this is, this is hopefully for the Blazers, this is more than just a found money win. And, and, and hopefully the Lakers don't just sort of, you know, okay, we're going to go out now and blow this series out. Because uh, there were some encouraging signs there for, for Portland that they could sustain this. It's just whether or not guys like Whiteside will turn up again. Yeah, I think that's fair because I don't think the Blazers thought they played a great game. I mean, they did it for them, for at least in the bubble. I mean, they only scored 100 points. Uh, they went on a great run, that 19-6 run to end. Lillard, we'll get to him in a second. And, of course, McCollum hitting key baskets. Gary Trent Jr., you said, Lee, had a bad game, but he hit a clutch three. Mello, classic clutch three. I mean... These guys, if you're going to pull off the upset, you do have to take game one. If you're the lower seed, I mean, you're the drastically lower seed. You do. I mean, because then otherwise you're like, you got to win four to six against the better team, you know, so to speak. Uh, They got game one. They got this done. Let's talk a little bit, though. This has become insane to me. These these threes trade that he is hitting from 30 plus feet, 35 feet off a pick and roll, a pick that's set near half court and he's stepping into it. And every time he shoots it, I'm like, that's going in, like, which is so weird. I mean, it gets compared to Steph Curry, but there's something to me, and maybe it's showing my age, where not where the shot locations are coming, but just the killer instinct that the guy had. It's so Reggie Miller-like to me at this point, where it's just like, close game, need a three. Always when I was a kid, I was like, well, Reggie's going to get it, going to scream it around a pick, coming in, stepping into it. But here Lillard is just doing it this, like, this weird way from 40 feet. 
just another insane closer. And then he's dancing uh, on the Lakers <laughs> last night, too. Yeah, I think he's feeling a little bit confident down there in the bubble right <laughs> you think? now. think? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, to throw it back to the 90s as well, maybe not Reggie Miller, but Stacey King. Hey, Lakers, did you not get the memo? Damian Lillard pulls up from 35 feet. Like, what are you doing? I think uh, we're going to see a little bit different game plan as well uh, for the Lakers to try and get the ball out of Lillard's hands a little bit more. But if he is touching Jerry West, you got to have your hands up. The shot could go up at any time if there's any sort of a screen. You know he's popping it, and it's been money right now. He's obviously feeling himself if he's able to be playing clutch minutes, hitting huge shots, and then dancing. That was really awesome to see. It was, and it like it happened right before the camera cut away to the point where you're like, was Damian Lillard just dancing? Yeah, was, yeah. He, was he fixing his jersey? Like, what was going on there? And then, you know, obviously Twitter picks up on it, and you're seeing the replay time and time again. He said, I just had to go dumb. Who, has, who among us hasn't had to go dumb at some point in our lives? Yeah. But, um, you know, talking about getting a hand up, Anthony Davis did get a hand up on that super bomb there. You know, like he came out and he, get, and he gets up and uh, Lillard knocks it in. But I love it when Brian Anderson and Chris Webber on the court, they just lost their mind as well. But because they were just seeing it like he, take, he took that first one and then he came around on that second one. And it was just incredible to see that. Um, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not really sure how you guard that. I, I mean, I get Trey's right. I guess try and get out of his hands, put, run out there 40 feet. But like at, the, at, at a certain point, the guy's too far away from the basket to actually. No, he's not. No, he's I, not. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's honestly, honestly, you would rather have CJ McCollum take a shot than Damian Lillard right now. And you would definitely rather have Wenyan Gabriel take a shot than Damian Lillard. Sure. I would triple team him as soon as he comes across half <laughs> sure. court and take your chance with anybody else. Yeah, that's wild. It's like we're at the point where you'd rather have Wenyan Gabriel try try like a little two foot floater with no one around him than Damian Lillard pulling up from 40 feet with two guys sort of challenging the shot. Yeah, well, that's, it's, it's only three points, but it feels like it's a hundred points Good and point. it's just so yep. demoralizing. Yep. You'd be like, oh, we let him do it. We did too. Oh, yep. In our face. Yep. But that's how Mello got his three as well, because Lillard was like, I know they're coming at me. Oh, he just course. found it. He found it and Mello knocked it down. So uh, he did that. Uh, he did that to someone else too, where it was just like, all right, if you're going to throw three guys at me, then I am going to make the pass because someone is going to get an open look. I might might have been Gary Trent actually, but uh, as that that just shows how Lillard is like, you know, he's got he's in their heads where they're like, he could literally hit this from half court, so we have to try to trap him as best we can, and he's like, all right, I'll make the pass. Uh, incredible. Yeah. What's uh? What's uh? He he talked about you know they're playing blow the whistle after he hits that big three. Also, what are you doing, Lakers team music guy? You know, why, why are you playing East Oakland anthem for <laughs> yeah. the opposition hitting a three and then he's dancing on you? Yeah, that guy should be fired or a woman should be fired immediately. But Lee, is there um, is there an East Sunbury anthem? What would be the song played? Uh, <laughs> uh, it'd probably be something from ACDC. I'm trying okay. to think. Uh, you know, for those about to rock Highway to, uh, highway to Hell, that way that starts. Yeah. Okay, nah, nah, so you'd, nah, you'd, go to, yeah. you'd go dumb to that, would you? Yeah, right. I think so. I think so. Uh, Can you tap- do the David Brent to an ACDC song? <laughs> I know you don't got a lot of moves, but I'd love to see uh, it. If he pulled out the David Brent, man. <laughs> <laughs> like doing that. <laughs> yeah, Please tap- do it. Tass, I mean, has your opinion on the series changed at all? Like, can the Blazers do this? Can they pull off the upset? There's a chance, sure, if the Lakers are going to play to this level. I think the good sign for the Lakers is that uh, they kind of took away the big scoring the ball. And the bigs are Yusuf Nurkic and Carmelo Anthony, really, to, to score. They did a good job of staying down on those two guys. 
you saw a lot of chucks from Melo and Yusuf Nurkic when they got inside because they thought they were going to get foul calls, but the Lakers are big enough. Uh, they, they both had bad nights. Uh, and, and overall, the defense was was all right. The Laker, the clip, uh, I'm sorry, the Blazers shot 39% from the floor. And so, uh, yeah, they're up six, um, you know, about eight minutes to go, uh, if, if that's correct, when Kuz was pulled there. Yeah. And, uh, and then they decided that they couldn't hit a shot. So, um, yeah, of course the Blazers have a shot. If, if the Lakers can't get comfortable knowing where their shot locations are, I think that's the important part here is LeBron's a cerebral dude. He, he just has to think the game through, and that's why we've seen some game one duds. And game two, you'd assume that uh, they'd be a lot more comfortable on the floor knowing what the hell's going on. I have this weird thing where it feels like Lillard is Doctor Strange, JD. I don't know if you're still listening. Like he's he's somehow seen the future and he knows how this all plays out because he's got this just creepy confidence to him, and it even translates into these like post game comments like last night with Jared Greenberg. It's just like he's just on another level because he seems to know what's going to happen. He knows the future here of this bubble. And it, maybe it is the Blazers pulling off the upset. Maybe it is the Blazers going deep like Chuck says. Well, I guess Chuck says they're sweeping them now too after game one. He had the broom out there on inside. It's creepy. It's creepy. I love it. I, I don't see, uh, you know, I heard a lot of other people saying the Q rating for Damian Lillard is off the charts right now. Unless maybe you're a Lakers fan and you got to put up with this. But uh, tough not to root for him. The only thing I have to ask about this um, game before we move on here, guys... Dwight Howard, we saw him dunk at the one time and he, uh, he dislodged the rim a little bit or he had it off kilter. Game was delayed a bit. Everybody's looking at it. I saw Ashley Docking tweet, how stressed are you if you're that guy that has to level the rim? That's exactly what I thought. I'd be freaking out. I mean, it's like all eyes on you. We got to get this thing going here. Oh, you mean Larry Hall? Yeah, Larry, Larry Hall getting the shout outs on the broadcast. I'm just impressed. I think NBA players are batting 100, batting 1,000 on calling when the basket is tilted, right? Like, they always call it, and you're like, yeah, right, man. Like, how is this actually tilted? And then they come out, and the refs measure it, and they're like, yep, it was off by a half a percent. We got to stop the game, get Larry out here. They always know. Damian Lillard came out, was at the free throw line, looked at it. He's like, what? It's fine. Just let him shoot on it. (laughs) And they cut away from that real quick as well. He wanted to just keep on flowing. I thought uh, the moment, uh, to me, like the nice... A little heartwarming moment of the game was uh, Wendon Gabriel, we talked to, starting for the Blazers because Zach Collins is out, undrafted rook out of Kentucky, and they had him mic'd up. And after he went to the bench, he, he was you know holding his nose up because he got a bloody nose, and he, he was he was yelling or he was telling his buddy on the bench, whoever it was, he said, well, I, "I got my first bloody nose in my life. It was from LeBron. I got my first <laughs> bloody nose." Oh, incredible, incredible story that he'll be able to tell his. Uh, his family as soon as he gets home from this bubble. All right, let's keep it going here. Next game, Western Conference game. Harden's 37 points leads the Rockets past the Thunder in game one. Take it away, Trey. It's just one game, but the Thunder cannot play Rockets basketball. I thought that that was, if the Rockets are going to win this series, that was exactly how you want to see things going if you're Houston. You know, they hit a whole bunch of threes, and by the start of the second half, it was such an advantage for Houston that it seems tough for OKC to really make up uh, a, a huge deficit, right? Because they're not really going to shoot their way back into the game compared to the Rockets. The, the Steven Adams post-ups aren't going to be cutting it when you're trailing by 15 points. You're not going to go run right. down there and try and run action through a big guy. And then once uh, once you have kind of settled on Steven Adams, maybe not having a whole bunch of effectiveness 
with Lou Dort out, there's not a lot of options for the Thunder once they have to go to the bench and bring in guys. You saw Hamadou Diallo had a couple of air balls on three-pointers. Dennis Schroeder was brutal. Uh, Chris Paul didn't have a great game, didn't really uh, assert himself. And Shea, I think, needed to be a little bit better. If you're going to be playing against a small ball team and you end up having to go a little bit small, throwing Mike Muscala out there during crunch time or whatever you want to call it, as close to crunch time as you could call it yesterday's game, it's just a tough matchup. The Rockets are ready to play that way. They play that way all year long, and that's just their normal style. Houston, at their best, makes other teams play the way they play. You saw OKC getting into so many we have to attack this mismatch one-on-one games, and that's not the way things work out well for the Thunder, I don't think. That's a two-pointer for them. You know, That's a very mid-range heavy team, whereas uh, the Rockets, they are going to ISO you. They are going to work those switches until they get the right matchup they want, but that's how they've been playing all year long. Chris Paul said afterwards, we haven't played a team like this. It's going to take us a while to adjust. You saw in the fourth quarter, it looked like OKC was moving the ball a little bit more, a little less one-on-one, and that was more effective for him. So I think that that's how... OKC has to play if they're going to beat the Rockets because if it becomes Rockets basketball that's an advantage for Houston we saw it against the Warriors back in the day when the Warriors would get into a one-on-one fest that's when Houston was at their best to beat them like you've said before Skeets you got to move the ball yeah no for especially like that switchy defense from the Rockets it had the Thunder looking completely out of sorts and like there's just little player ball movement I know Van Gundy was talking about that and yeah outside of like Steven Adams getting like those odd little mismatches um, which I think Houston would live with, and that's what you're saying, Trey. Like, you know, he abused Eric Gordon at one point early and he had a nice, like, rim run on Daniel House a little later and, like, out-rebounding some of the smaller guys. But they're you're, they're fine with that, especially when the Rockets are hitting 23s, Lee, shooting 48% from the field, Harden's locked in, doing his step backs. Like, this basically was, to some extent, like, the perfect game, I thought, for the Rockets in a game one versus a team that we think could challenge them in the series. Yeah, Harden ended with 37 points, but it didn't feel like he had 37. It felt like he was a lot quieter because I thought Eric Gordon was incredible for the Rockets. Driving inside, too, he only took six three-pointers, which is not that many. Eric Gordon usually takes over eight a game, so he actually sort of stayed, uh, sort of didn't shoot all that many. But I think the Thunder were expecting him to shoot more because he kept driving inside, and I think they thought, oh, he's not going to keep doing that, but he did. And then Jeff Green coming off the bench. Jeff Green's going to get a max contract next season because he has these. No, yeah, don't don't be I, hypnotized I, by Jeff Green. Don't, but, don't. but how can you not be hypnotized by Jeff Green when you see what he did yesterday? He was a plus 28, 22.6 rebounds, three threes. And he just looked incredible out there. But that's the thing. So two things, and Trey mentioned there, I thought the offense on OKC was awful. There was no ball movement. It was so stagnant. They looked like they were rusty and just didn't quite know what they were doing out there. And for the Houston Rockets, when you have, you know, your green hitting three threes, Ben McLemore hit four, Daniel House hit a couple, or he only hit one in the end, PJ Tucker hit them. That, to me, that is when their offense is at its best. And it looks like this is an effective strategy that could take them a long way because it's like James Harden can have 37 points, but he doesn't need to carry the team Mm -hmm. like he has done in the past. He just goes out there, gets his points, and then while he's not out on the floor, you see all these other guys contributing. So very, very impressive performance by Houston. I thought uh, Covington was fantastic defensively for them too. And uh, some thunder, you know, they have that lineup. They mentioned on the broadcast there where it's the three guards – Gallinari and Stephen Adams, which was apparently the most effective five-man unit for the entire league this season. And they started to make up a little bit of ground there, but it was they were too far behind and Houston kept hitting threes and uh, and the Thunder weren't able to keep up. So 
Um, yeah, I, I expect some adjustments mainly on the offensive end from OKC because they've got to just keep that ball moving and try to get Houston uh, running around a little bit. I think I think that was a big problem for them yesterday. So we'll see how that uh, changes because Chris Paul ended up with almost a triple-double, but the same thing. He didn't really seem to put his stamp on the game. I didn't think they were... Uh, they were chasing the Rockets all day, and that's the worst place to be if you're playing Houston. Once they build up a lead, they're very hard to uh, pull back in. It, it feels like that anyway when guys are hitting all those threes. Tass, takeaways from this one? I don't know what the, the Thunder were doing to start the game, going to Steven Adams over and over and over. I mean, it, it, the, he never does that. It's never part of the game to go to Steven Adams as a post player. He's not a post player. It just... It took them out of sorts, big time. They stopped playing the way they played. They stopped moving the ball and getting guys involved. And so yeah, a lot of these guys playing their first uh, playoff game were kind of just you know, all deer in the headlights while the other team and the Rockets were up for the task. We, we ridicule them a lot for not playing defense, but they were obviously really, really intensely into this game. And uh, I think that sort of took OKC out of the way they play, period. And... Uh, other takeaway is that Eric Gordon really is the new Russell Westbrook. I mean, he was awesome. Uh, I thought, uh, yeah, he's hasn't had a good year. I was definitely worried about him coming into the series, replacing Russell Westbrook in the starting lineup, but they desperately need his offense. And you see the, the shot distribution amongst the Rockets all the time. It's Harden, Russ, and then everybody else gets a few. I mean, everybody else basically in single digits. Gordon stepped into that role perfectly and uh he he looked like he was ready for playoff ball Uh, and then i would just say from game one to game two with this okc team i think yeah they're going to look drastically different they're going to move the ball and harden i've I've gone back into our our old starters documents to reference this but harden drops off from game one to game two he always comes out a blazing with he shoots like 40 percent from three-point land when it comes to his, his rockets game ones uh, but going back to uh, to all the way back to 12-13 when he came to the Rockets, in game two, he drops off uh, big time. I don't know what the heck it is. I, I, I doubt it's the defense, really. I mean, what are you going to do with, with James Harden? But uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. But that there's may not no, happen no in the bubble, Tess, because maybe after those awesome game ones, he hits the strip club, goes out, has a blast, has too yeah. many drinks. Maybe that's not going to happen down here in the bubble. What's the status on Lou Dort, too, for game two? I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be back. He would help slow James Harden. Yeah. You can't stop James Harden, but it helps slow him. Um, I think they're expecting him back, but uh, yeah. I don't think it's been confirmed because he was a sort of game time decision there uh, going into the first game, I think. But Yeah, I wonder too, like how, how much can Adams play? I mean, we talked about it as a preview for this series. Like how much can he play? We all like him. He's great. Uh, he's been good down there in the bubble for uh, OKC, but in this matchup, oh, especially with him not being a rim protector, you guys said it like... At times, the Rockets were just like, it was a layup line. I mean, there's really no, there's no anyone at the rim to prevent it. And that's just not Adams. That's not him. Um, so I wonder if we could just see, and this would fall, I think, into the trap with what the Rockets would want you to do. Hey, you want to play small ball? Let's go. Put Gallinari at the five. Let's dance. That uh, may not work either. So this could be a, just a tough matchup for OKC. But yeah, it's just one game. You would hope Billy Donovan's going to make some adjustments. Chris Paul, you'd think, is going to have a little bit more control over the game. And maybe the Rockets... Don't hit 23s. That's the other thing. All those guys you said outside of Harden, really, or maybe Harden too because he sucks in game twos for whatever reason. 
Maybe that's 10 threes, and it's a completely different game. But uh, they're a bit of an avalanche team. When they hit a couple, it feels like it just catches fire to everybody, and that ball's zipping around, especially when you take Westbrook out of the equation. It just moves a little bit more freely, it feels like. I and was a- happy to see uh, the Rockets playing two bigs for a lot of the night, playing Jeff Green and P.J. Tucker, their two centers, <laughs> alongside each other. We, got, we know that there's not going to be a Jeff Green game. Every single game. That's the definition of Jeff Green. <laughs> right. He's going to have an incredible highlight tape at the end of his career, and you're going to look and be like, what? He never made an all-star team? How does he have this kind of a highlight tape? But the Rockets won the Jeff Green game. That's the key. When the guy yeah. plays right. really, really well, you got to win those games because if he has a six-point game, you're maybe not having as good of a chance at winning. you got to perform when Jeff performs. Well, yeah, and the Blazers won the Whiteside game. I mean, who's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, who's who's more likely to back up their game one performance, Hassan <laughs> Whiteside or Jeff Green? <laughs> I mean, the thing you is... tell Jeff, what you got. Jeff, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with... Well, I'll go with Jeff Who? Green. Jeff Green. Jeff Green. Really? But I, but I hope it's Whiteside because... Because because Whiteside, I mean, we've all piled on him as well here because he just doesn't give a shit most of the time when he's out there. But when he does, he was great. But uh, Jeff, great. Green, Jeff Green, I will say, has been pretty good in the bubble for Houston. Yeah, he, he's I, been pretty that, good. That's fair. That's but, fair. But this is a good a good situation for him because the, when that ball moves around, he gets a lot of open shots. And it's like, all you've got to do is hit those shots, Jeff, and you'll stay on the court. And uh, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. It's fun to call him Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> it's got, really good. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a great name. I would but, say uh, I would say that's something we always say about role players in the playoffs is that they play well at home and stink on the road for some reason. Uh, but now across the uh, across yeah. the board through two games, role players are just playing good basketball. And maybe it's because it's more like a road or uh, more like a, a, a neither. I mean, I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. know. They're just playing to their capabilities. Really, it's just uh, a road a road crowd isn't taking them away from anything. It's or it's taking possible. them out of anything. Uh, they they are playing better and they also won the Ben McLemore game this was his uh mm. his first playoff game of his career in his seventh season here and uh he was on fire with with, with four threes uh he was everybody I think on that roster was just feeling so good because they whacked OKC in the first quarter OKC was taken aback it's I think it was the same with the Bucks uh, for some strange reason and they couldn't fight back and and they were obviously dictating the game and OKC wasn't dictating a thing uh, but the thing, uh, even Mike D'Antoni said post game, they hadn't seen us since we made our trade, since we went to small mm-hmm. ball, and they're going to adjust. And that's what we always say about teams playing against this new style: can they win uh, throughout a, a series, back to back series? So yeah, I, I think Billy Donovan, he's been voted coach of the year four times since Dick coming down to the bubble. I think he will uh, <laughs> have the ability to turn it around. He's a good basketball coach, and, and yeah, Chris Paul. I don't know what the hell happened to Chris Paul. Like he was, you know, fine. Stat line's fine. Uh, good very good even but uh yeah he just he forgot how to play against his old team well i'm happy uh in our playoff preview Trey did such a fine job of making the case that the rockets were going to win this series that i actually changed my prediction <laughs> right there live on the podcast and went with you with the rockets in seven but tass and lee i'll start with you lee what you saw in game one you guys took the thunder to win this series any regrets to that after just the one game well, I think I picked them in six, so they have to lose two games. So I've still got, uh, I've still got that. I, ju- I just honestly thought the Thunder were very, very ordinary. They haven't been all that impressive either down in the bubble. So I'm sort of waiting for them to shake things off a little bit and become the team that I saw during the regular season before the suspension. So uh, I'll stick with my prediction for a couple of reasons. Again, I, I think the Thunder win it, but I also think we are going to see a James Harden game where he goes missing, whether yeah. it's in second or third game. Um, and I just think the Thunder are going to come out with a little bit more focus and uh, determination. Also, Dennis Schroeder, who was bad yesterday, but that was his first game 
uh, since coming back in the bubble. So uh, give him a little bit of a, a pass in that sense. Uh, I think the Thunder will be a better better team from here on out in the series. But uh, again, when the Rockets play like they did yesterday, that is when they're at their best. And it, it is going to be interesting when Westbrook comes back because you know, clearly he makes them better, but he do, they do play differently when he's out there. And uh, yeah, some, I sometimes feel when James Harden's in that role, it's, it's almost like Chris Paul. He's better with, when he doesn't have anyone sort of encroaching his territory for who's the best player on the team. I think he sometimes is better when he's in a flow, when he knows, no question, he's the best player and he can just control the offense uh, like he did. Well, there'd be no rush right now after taking game no. one to bring no. Westbrook that's, back. That's it's not right. like you're like panicking already. Tass, what about you? Changing your prediction? Thunder and seven, I think you went with? Yeah, so I'm cool with it. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, I, th- I thought the Rockets would take game one, especially with Lou Dort out. Uh, but Lou Dort, uh, he, is, he really helps their depth anyways. You know, Taking Terrence Ferguson out of the starting lineup, yeah. uh, reducing some minutes for Hamadou Diallo. So uh, you know that the fact that he was out, important, and hopefully he'll be back in, in game two. I think his status is, uh, is up in the air, but Billy Donovan said that he's been making some solid progress. Lou Dortness. Lou Dort! Lou Dort. Uh, Steve Holt, Lou Dort. Okay, uh, we're going to get to the Eastern Conference here in a second, but before we do, a quick word from our sponsor. Yeah, the regular season is fun. We all know that. But the only thing that can compare to the excitement of the playoffs is DraftKings, the leader, the king of the ring, if you will, in one-day fantasy sports. Both basketball and hockey have entered their playoffs, and DraftKings is putting you in the center of the action. It's like your Kane Fitzgerald. You make the call. With millions in prizes throughout the week, there is no better place to make it rain. You can start playing today for free with your first deposit. Daily Fantasy Sports, guys, easy to play. You draft your players, you stay under the salary cap, you pile up points based on your players' performance. There's no better way to put your sports knowledge to the test than to compete for millions of dollars in prizes throughout the week. But if Daily Fantasy isn't for you, DraftKings just launched Best Ball Contest for football season. I have no idea what that means. And if you don't either, simply head to the app now and check it out. Best ball. We'll look it up together and we'll figure it out. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code RUN, R-U-N, to play free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars. I call them fin dogs. You can call them dollars, but I call them fin dogs in total prizes this week. That's promo code RUN to get a shot at millions of fin dogs in prizes all week long. <laughs> Only at DraftKings, here's the small print, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, Eastern Conference, it's just one game, but Vucevic, Magic, upset the top-seeded Bucks in game one, 122 to 110. Yes, we had both number eight seeds tasks win their first game against the number one seeds. First time that's happened since 2003 when the Spurs and the Pistons lost their game once. Worked out for the Spurs in the end. They won a title that year. But what do you think? It's just one game but from this uh, magic upset. It's just one game, but the Bucks are a regular season team. It's a little bit scary the way that they play that everybody eats. You know, the I'm, we're playing 11 guys here and you guys will, you know, just take your shots when you get open shots. But the open shots don't come as clear and as often as they do during the regular season when teams are playing great defense. So Giannis is going to get his. That, that's for sure. He, he's good enough. There's some worries with him, but I'm more worried about 
the number two, number three, number four, number five guys on this team. And I think it's a real concern. I, I, I'm, you know, going overboard with it. They're just a regular season team here. I think they'll be fine against the Magic. But when it comes to a couple series later on, when you're playing really good teams, this this whole thing of just waiting around till there's an open shot for guys like Chris Middleton, uh, where he, he's just a little reluctant. He just doesn't take over himself. He, I think Bud has to force feed him a little bit and tell him it's his play instead of just we're whipping it around to Dante DiVincenzo and waiting for Pat Connaughton and Corver and Robin Lopez. They're, they're playing so many guys right now that they're not getting enough out of their best guys, especially when it's, it's not clear who their fourth and fifth guys are going to be. And the same goes for Brooke Lopez, a fantastically uh, talented offensive player and uh, he, he just he stopped playing. He stopped playing on both ends. He took himself out of the game defensively in this one and allowed Nikola Vucevic to go for 35 points at the other end. He's a talented NBA player, Vucevic is. So when he gets confidence, if you stop playing defense against him, Brook Lopez just stopped. Uh, he stopped tagging him. He stopped doing everything. Yeah, he's going to hit open shots. He's going to hit five threes. Yeah. And so those two dudes, I call them a regular season team because those two guys have to get into playoff mode. And is, is Budenholzer going to tell Middleton, hey, this is your play. You, you got to at least take it to the bucket, then make a play. And the same goes for Brook Lopez. I thought it was sort of part of their DNA now to get Brook Lopez in the paint as a you know as a new wrinkle as a, as an alternative game player action to Giannis just barreling down the lane because teams are ready for that now and so um, Boonholzer has to respond and say those two guys because we're not sure if Wesley Matthews is going to be on the floor we're not sure if Eric Bledsoe is going to be on the floor we're not sure who the hell the fourth and fifth guys are going to be he's got to get those two guys going so they're not just a regular season team like the the Hawks were a couple of years ago when he had them at 60 wins he's got to get them going and, and not just chill out uh, and, and the defensive end is is where they lost this game um, but I, I'm more uh, more concerned uh, about you know sort of going forward with, with uh, the way that they play yeah what do you think Lee is like we saw the magic win game one versus the Raptors last year it was is this similar to you a little bit more of a concern with what you saw for the Bucks and how they were completely outplayed in this because that Raptors magic one I mean that was a a very very close ugly game and Raptors didn't play well not that the Bucks did but this was a bit of a dominant win honestly for a number eight seed they led most of the game and they had all these guys splashing threes and just like it's like the flip of the Lakers awesome offensive team outside of the bubble can't hit a shot in it the Bucks one of the best defenses we've seen in a long time pre-pandemic suddenly and this is like not just one game this is like a nine game trend now they have not been great. Magic shot 39%, nearly 50 from three, near 50% from the floor. What's are you worried at all from this one? Well, I'm I'm not worried for this series. I think the Bucks get out of it, but I am a little concerned now about playoff coach Bud because we saw him when he was at the Hawks, great regular season team, get swept by the Cavs again against LeBron, fair enough, in the in the conference finals. And then last year they're leading the Raptors 2-0, and then they effectively get swept by the Raptors in the conference finals as well. I think Bud does struggle to adjust uh, in time. I think he tends to sort of keep things going the way that has worked during the regular season a little bit too long. And now he's got a, a very early opportunity here to try to correct things. But I think we have What's to give, the correction, though? Well, that's the thing. I mean, what does he need to do? Last year, the, the problem was offensively, I think they struggled. I know that the defensive move of getting Kawhi onto Giannis helped, and, but they didn't seem to have another alternative outside of just having Giannis sort of play like dominant bully ball. So he's going to have to get other guys involved, but he's also got problems with Eric Bledsoe, who again, yesterday, playoff Bledsoe turned up. I don't think he was very good. And he just tends to get hesitant. I think Bledsoe needs to drive a little bit more, get inside and try to get some easy baskets. 
But uh, I, I think we're also probably not giving just enough respect to Orlando. They, they came out yesterday. If you're the Magic, I don't I don't remember seeing really anyone predict the Magic to win any more than maybe one game mm-hmm. in this series. They, they Those guys must see all that and be like, God, no one thinks we're even a chance. They don't think we can compete. And they came out and they were ready. And I think I think Milwaukee were probably a little bit like, we're going to blow this team out, so we'll just come out and, and, and you know, we'll turn up when we're ready and we'll win this game. But Vucevic was fantastic yesterday. I thought he he he, gave, he took what the defense gave him, yeah. hitting those shots, knocking in threes. And we talked about a Jeff Green and a Hassan White. So what about a Gary Clark game as well? Uh, yeah, yesterday? No, he hit four threes. <laughs> like, did he, he was it four? He, hit, oh, he did hit four. Yeah, I thought it was only three. But, uh, Fournier so, hit three all late and yeah. hit a couple. Yeah, they were on fire. So, you know, there was some things that happened in this game. You're like, man, they just kept hitting shots because the Bucks made a few of those pushes. But then Orlando seemed to sort of always have an answer. Uh, again, one game, not overly concerned. I think the Bucks win. Maybe it goes to six games, though. But uh, you, you expect that uh, you know, Giannis will come out and try to put a little bit more of a stamp. He was good yesterday, but it's those guys. It's Bledsoe, it's Brooke Lopez, and again, Middleton. They need to be the ones who, who really step up and, uh, and, and dominate this series. Yeah, Middleton did little to quiet his critics, uh, Trey. It was a really bad Chris Middleton game. Was he 4-16, I think, overall in the end? What did you think from the Bucks? Very Littleton from Chris Middleton. It was not good. And I felt like I was watching the Golden State Warriors of the 1990s run TMC. That's run. There's too much Connaughton. How was this guy getting every shot down the stretch for the Bucks? That was crazy to me. Uh, you got to shorten the rotation. You play your best players as many minutes as it takes. But ultimately, I come down on congratulating the Milwaukee Bucks for winning the 2020 NBA championship. If you lose to the Magic in your first game, wow, you see what happens. <laughs> Good things came to the Raptors last year. There's no doubt. Ah, I don't know. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, but they've been bad the entire time. Again, this wasn't just a one-game thing. This is where I keep coming back with the Lakers. It really isn't. They've been bad for like two weeks now. Uh, again, Lakers offensively, Bucks sort of defensively. They're checked out a little bit. I am a little uh, shocked that it felt like, Tass, we were like, Going a little hard on LeBron. You know, we're talking about that Lakers loss. And LeBron's got to do more despite the numbers. LeBron's got to do this. Got to get everybody engaged. And feels like we're giving Giannis a pass here. I, I'm like, I'll say it. Like, the guy went without a field goal. He's the MVP for the final 11 minutes of this game. He was nowhere to be found. Um, why, why is he? I know he had a great line too. But he's got to be better. He's their guy. He's the, he has to be the Lillard. He has to be their LeBron. He's Giannis, man. He's going to be a two-time MVP. And it was like, I didn't even know he was out there sometimes in the fourth quarter. He had no real imprint on the game late. Sure. He, he should be should have more of an imprint, but he also didn't get a, have a number two performance at all. And so, yeah, we can ridicule LeBron, but Anthony Davis, we know like, he got lots of ridicule too. Um, I don't know. I, I, he just he needed some more support. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's just the way Giannis is, though. You know, we don't. We are definitely going to ridicule him in in round three if it comes down to what happened against the Raptors where he got inside in the lane and and couldn't figure it out. Um, He should be able to figure it out now with some sort of flip shot or something, but he passes and he finds guys. And so I I think it's fair to be disappointed in every single other Milwaukee buck. That's it's it's crazy that they have they've rolled out 10 other guys and nobody really had a solid game. Um, you know, the, whatever. There was a couple guys who did have solid games. But, I mean, the real guys, when it comes down to end-of-game uh, performance, end-of-game production, who the heck is going to do it? And and that's it's fair, to I think, for Bud to say, Chris Middleton, take this thing. You know, we'll set you up. It's your shot. Brooke, 
will set you up. It's your shot. More post plays for him. Uh, it just it just has to happen, and that's sort of what people ridiculed uh, Bud about last year, uh, and. Even Malcolm Brogdon, who was a really talented guy out there, why not have him on the floor at times? Why not you know, let him play a little bit? That's what it, what it came down to because nobody else was doing anything. Malcolm Brogdon should be a third, fourth option on a, on a championship team. I, I think it's fair more to ridicule Chris Middleton. We're talking 50, 40, 90. We're talking Brooke Lopez, a, a, a great guy, and one broken chair yesterday. He wasn't playing basketball. He was just he was hammering chairs uh, because he wants to stay as long as possible in Disney. I get it. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> they threw the game. Is that it? Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> Every series goes to seven. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's, why it's impossible to, get, uh, to bet against the Bucks because – Brooke Lopez is sticking around. He's not getting bounced in the in the first series. But the guy is he's a former all-star. He should not have five points. He should not get outplayed that way by Nikola Vucevic. Go back, watch the tape. Uh, what Marcus Sol did to him last year in the first round after game one. He bodied him, embodied him, embodied him. Just play defense. Brooke Lopez is a defensive player of the year candidate. So I, yeah, Giannis was he was good enough. Uh, the other guys who are really talented, the number two and number three guys gotta be better for me. The Bucks have also gotten really sloppy, I've noticed, with the basketball in the bubble. I mean, this is a team that usually takes care of it, but they're up to 16.5 turnovers per game, which is uh, you know significantly more than what they were averaging in the regular season. I'll need Schumann to fact-check me on that, but it feels like it. So they just got to play better. But they've been they've just been out of sorts down there. This has not gone well. They're what now overall? I guess they're 3-6 and six record-wise. I know Giannis missed some of those games, and other guys were resting some of those games. But, yeah, this will be uh, – this is like – I don't know. Does it suddenly become a must-win game too, Lee, at all for the Bucks, Or am I even going too far with that? Uh, I mean, no, I don't think it's must-win, really? but I, I think it's a must-improve game for them. Uh, there was a there was a play. I mean, Giannis ended up going three for seven from downtown, and he's tried to add that to his game this year. But there was a the play. I think it was they were about eight points back. The Bucks in the fourth quarter, and Orlando were kind of like because he pulled up and hit a th- shot a three and bricked it. And I think Orlando's kind of like. We'll still let you take those threes, Giannis. Of course, you know, you know yeah. so you know he hit a couple, so it wasn't like he went one for ten or anything like that. But the Bucks, are like, uh, the the Magic will be like, stay out there, man, stay out there because we don't want you coming. So even though he actually shot poorly from the free throw line yesterday too, so Giannis, you know, he, he didn't have uh, that polish on his game yesterday. But now that they're down, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond because you're right. You've talked about he's going to be the back-to-back MVP out here now. So he needs to go out there and really put his fingerprints all over this game on both ends. I know he needs help. Of course he needs support. But at the same time, you also want to see your star player just go out there and just bulldoze his way to a victory and sort of get his team back on track. I think that's uh, that's something that we need to see from Giannis in this second game. Yeah, their improvement has to come defensively. There's no doubt. They can't give up 122 points. And they've got to play better defense. They're going to go very, very far in this thing. So that suddenly becomes a must-watch, a fun game too, no doubt. We thought this series, yeah, could be a cakewalk. And now it's, uh, you know, at least a little more intriguing. All right, our final game from yesterday, Jimmy Butler and the Dragon. Dragic, they helped the Heat pull away to beat the Pacers in game one. 113-101. This was a fun one. Get us started here, Lee. It's just one game, but... Jimmy Butler is worth the baggage, the baggage that he brings uh, because, you know, we know he's a, a bit of a guy who's a bit abrasive at times with his teammates, but I think you saw yesterday what he brings at his best to that team. He, he leads the team. Not statistically, he's not a huge numbers guy out there, but hits big shots, makes play, big plays for his team, and just sort of leads the way. And I thought TJ Warren, who actually had an okay game, but when you go back to the beef that these two guys had, and Jimmy Butler said he ain't even in my league... 
He was right on that from what we saw yesterday. TJ Warren was nowhere near the sort of competitive level that Jimmy Butler was on yesterday. I think Jimmy's the sort of guy who likes to get into his own head to hype himself up. You saw him wooing himself on a uh, on a dunk down there. He was the talking sh- to the virtual exactly. Pacers. Exactly. Yeah. Ne- that's a first. We've <laughs> but, never but seen that. Not a great three-point shooter. He's only about 24%. Hit two big threes for his team. And he said, uh, I, I think it was uh, Bam was the one who says, you got to shoot those threes. And he did. But he just kind of, he uses that TJ Warren motivation, I think, because there was a couple of little chippy moments between them. But I think Jimmy was more just using it to sort of keep himself in the game and keep himself focused. So I, I thought uh, I thought he was really, really good. Bam, I thought was fantastic as well. Yes, that Andragic you mentioned, but I think it starts with your best player, your franchise guy and your leader, and that's Jimmy Butler, just by sort of setting the... Uh, the competitive tone for the game. Um, and, I, and I thought he was great yesterday. Yeah, Jimmy asked for this. He wanted his own team. <laughs> he got it, Toyota. Yep. I mean, he wanted the pressure and he delivered in game one at least. Yeah, he when he checked back in, the Heat were like, it was a close game. The Heat were up two points when he checked back in late in the fourth quarter, sort of, you know, midway into the fourth quarter. And then they outscored the Pacers 24 to 14. And it was Jimmy, a lot of that. Scored 10 of their final 12 points. He said the two threes. He was special. I love the mustache. I think I have it. Uh, I don't know where you have it in your bubble mustache rankings. You know, there's Gordon Hayward's. Oh, there's yeah. Jimmy's. Yeah, they're, they're I think great. it's horrendous. I you think know, Jimmy I love it. Because I, th- I like him looking oddly evil. There's something to it. <laughs> uh, like Wario. I don't even know if it's evil. It just looks <laughs> very wispy. unkempt. Yeah. It's, it's just it's, like... <laughs> Like, have you seen a mirror, dude? Like, just, <laughs> just like flatten it a little bit. I mean, it's like almost like it could commit a foul pretty easily. Like, it's poking way out there. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he, he, again, he asked for this. He wanted to be the franchise guy. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, the Sixers could use a guy like that right now instead Woo! of uh, maybe giving that to like Horford and stuff like that. Holy Horford, crap. Horford, how about Tobias Harris? Yeah. You want a guy who yeah. doesn't do anything when it comes to the clutch? Sign Tobias Harris. You want a closer? Sign Jimmy Butler. Whoops, Philly. Mm-hmm. Butler was incredible. I love this guy. He's made double-digit threes in seven games this year and then back-to-back in huge moments <laughs> yesterday. Then he comes down, hits that tough banker, and just put the team on his back. Dragic, obviously, you know, which is huge, huge, right? Yeah. Like, that's the other thing is that when Dragic has it going, Butler doesn't have to do quite as much because there's just another guy who's able to create out there and also hit from outside. You know, Duncan Robinson wasn't able to really get his game going. But when somebody else is shooting great from three from outside, it's okay if you're, one of your shooters is cold. But uh, that was just awesome. It was great to see Butler show up. There aren't a lot of guys you're picking over Jimmy Butler to have the ball in, your, in his hands at the end of a game. He's probably not in the top five, but I got him in the top ten, and I'm happy if it's Butler. Yeah. Watching Dragic like, go full-blown FIBA Dragic down the stretch there where he was money before Jimmy really, really took over. He was a setup man. Um, I was like, damn, the Lakers could use a Dragic. This is exactly oh, yeah. who they need, like a sort of a vet point guard that can actually score and shoot the ball. I mean, a lot of teams obviously could use that, but he was great. This is a – it was a fun game. I mean, it was a close game. I – Tass, you said, I think it was Malcolm Brogdon you had sort of pegged as your um, sort of key to watch in this series. And I, he was great. I thought he was pretty pretty solid for the Pacers in keeping them in this at the least and giving them a chance. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot on his shoulders. Yeah. Uh, because uh, especially Victor Oladipo went out of the game there too. So that kind of hurt them in the fourth quarter. You know, he was gone sure. for, for the majority of the games. Because if the Heat get their defense set, who's going to score? Uh, I'm, it's a serious concern. Their heat, their defense is so good. It, it looks like there's no room out there. You gotta, you gotta be a really talented basketball player to make things happen. I, I think um, 
it's like you you focus on one guy if you can take away one guy and, and you know they focused on Brogdon a little bit they focused on TJ Warren and Warren had a, a decent game um, but that's why I thought this uh, Pacers team could be a threat because if you focus on one guy like we're seeing they focused on Giannis in, in the Orlando Milwaukee game nobody else could perform really uh, they focused on uh, James Harden in the Rockets game and then Eric Gordon came out and performed uh, but I thought with if the Heat were going to focus on whether it be Victor Oladipo or TJ Warren that uh, you could see some some Brogdon scoring or yeah, probably not a Miles Turner score. Uh, it's, yeah, I doubt it. I, I doubt that's going to happen. But but you saw on the other side, there's just uh, you saw on the other side. They they tried to take away Jimmy Butler, and then Goran Dragic said, "All right, I mean, I got space. <laughs> like I, I'm I've done this for a very long time, and so the Heat yeah. have more weapons, and they not just Jimmy Butler. They they tried to take away uh, Duncan Robinson, uh, but they're just the, the Heat have more scores. I'm worried when the Heat get back. On defense, who's going to score on this Pacers team? And Malcolm, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he did his thing. He tried. Um, but, you know, without DeMontis Sabonis, I don't know if they have enough. Yeah. Yeah, Oladipo inadvertently poked in the eye. I guess he went to the hospital, right? And um, did he yeah. leave the bubble then to do that? I mean, I, there's not a hospital there, is it? Or do they just mean he went to, like, a medic there? I don't really uh, understand. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing there's a, a minor sort of medical, you know, it's hub in the bubble there. Yeah, I think, I think it's hub, in the bubble. A hub bubble. Oh, okay, okay. So he has he has not left the bubble, but uh, it doesn't sound good. I guess they were nah, saying like ooh, he was struggling yeah. to see, and it was all blurry and stuff he like that. He went to the same doctor that all the MMA fighters went to this weekend because there was a lot of eye pokes, a lot of eye gouges oh. on, on Saturday. But that one, that ballooned real quick on Victor Oladipo. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Jake Crowder, finger to the eye, will do that. All right, a little bit of news here before we uh, wrap this up. Uh, speaking of injuries, Gordon Hayward. Expected to miss four weeks with the grade three right ankle sprain. Tass, anything to add to this? Are you worried at all about the Celtics here in their series versus the Sixers with no Hayward for sure? No, not not with the Sixers myself. I don't think anybody's going to be worried uh, with the with the depth that the Celtics have. And yeah, four weeks that sounds like a freaking long time. So that would be two rounds, and so that would potentially be a, a Raptor series. Yeah. But hey, maybe he's like Rajon Rondo, who we see on the uh, the Lakers practice floor right now, looking to come back earlier than expected. And hopefully he does, so the Celtics are at uh, full capacity against uh, the Raptors, because it looks like that's who it's going to be in the second round. And the Raptors are full throttle right now. All right. The other news here I want to slip in: Raptors Masai Ujiri. They countersued um, after video shows an officer, you remember this in the 2019 NBA Finals, initiating the shoving. This footage, if you haven't seen it, it shows the officer, Alan Strickland. Let's name this guy who grabbed Ujiri by the suit jacket, shoved him, telling him to back the F up as Ujiri was attempting to show his team credential. It's in his hand. He's pulling it out, trying to show this guy. He's trying to reach the floor to celebrate with the Raptors, who had just won the title in Oakland. They exchanged words. Ujiri holds out his credential again. Strickland shoves Ujiri for a second time, and then Ujiri, uh, you know, shoves back at this guy at Strickland. So if you're like, this was this Strickland guy, he was suing Masai Ujiri after this incident. We never really talked about this at the time after the game because the starters had wrapped up. We were done. I mean, I guess we did one more podcast and we were celebrating the Raptors championship win and saying goodbye to everyone as the starters. But like. Yeah, this whole thing was insane. The whole I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we always believed Masai Ujiri anyway because the guy's a class act and he's trying to get on the damn floor and he's got a credential in his hand. Let him through. This guy just power tripping like crazy. I don't know if there's anything to add here, but uh, I, the only final thing I would say, a bunch of officers that gave false testimonies on this, they should be fired as well. 
these three guys are sued, whatever the hell you can do to them. Because this is ridiculous. There was like three or four guys saying, oh, yeah. Say, Jerry, you just, you just snap just pushing around the cop. No, he, he does it. The video yeah. clearly shows he does not. It's crazy. What about firing and charging these guys as yeah. well for, for oh, lying? Yeah. But again, this is a, a like there's such a, a race problem here in America that the white cop just sitting there instigated all of that. Messiah's trying to get past, trying to get his credential out, and the guy's just being a, a bully. And then turning it around to sue Masai Ujiri yeah. for attacking him. Yeah. I, 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 that video was, was almost more shocking than I expected it to be, that it was just like this guy trying to start a fight with Masai Ujiri and then trying to put the blame on him. It was just disgusting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope we're going to see some sort of apology and retraction and, and you know, uh, <laughs> things like that. But Don't hold I don't, your I don't, breath. I know. I, I'm not holding my breath at all. But, uh, oh, my God, just just awful awful uh from the from the uh, police officer i had forgotten to uh, in what in re-watching the video of this incident um that like lowry comes over eventually right into like the corner after like masai jerry sort of backed up or people are trying to separate him from this this cop this strickland guy and like masai sort of like cuts through like the corner and like to celebrate with lowry and mm. it's like you can see it i mean like there's getty images uh that you can see of like Ujiri is obviously shook at what just happened, what just yeah. went down. And he's trying to celebrate, you know, the greatest uh, basketball moment of his life, winning a title and bringing a title to this team. It's crazy. That Strickland suit from February, I remember this part. He was like, he suffered injury to his body and his health <laughs> and his strength and all this fucking bullshit, blah, 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 bullshit. What a joke. What a joke. So um, good what? on Jerry and his team to counter sue this guy. Just honestly, what a fool this man is. <laughs> to, I mean, A, you're wearing a camera. You're wearing a camera. He must have <laughs> thought he turned it off before assaulting somebody, as often happens. But also, guess what? You're at the NBA Finals. There are cameras everywhere. I mean, I guess the only shock is that it took this long to come out. But uh, not a surprise yeah. that this guy wasn't telling the truth. Yeah. yeah. It's like It's almost like you can't believe what police officers say. And it's almost like so. Yeah, it kind of it kind of happens a lot. Happens. Uh-oh. Looks like we lost Skeets. Oh, he's frozen in time. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, I guess I'll just jump in because it's a tweet of the night time, um, and uh, I've got a little bit of trivia to add to this tweet. Okay, so it's pretty easy trivia. I think. I there think you go. guys will get it. Um, it is uh, comes from Coach Carl George Carl, who tweeted this last night after the Lakers lost. Lakers should feel worried at this point. Trust me, I know about losing to a number eight seed, which, of course, <laughs> George Carl did lose back in 1994 to the... Uh, they were the number one seeded Seattle Supersonics. Uh, they went down. They lost in five games. It was only best of five series then to the Denver Nuggets after they won the first two games and then lost game five uh, at, in overtime. And if you remember, the, the most iconic image from that series is, of course, uh, Dikembe Matumbo clutching the ball after the uh, after the game was complete. So here's the trivia part of it. Can you guys name the other number eight seeds to upset the number one in the first round of the players, including best of seven and best of five? Sixers over Bulls, 2012. Yeah, that was the Derrick Rose one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So who did the Knicks beat in 98? Uh, well, 99. 99. 99. 99 season. Yeah, yeah. Acers? No, no, no. Yeah, they had a cut. They battled three years in a row. These teams, the Heat. Yes, yeah. the Heat. The heat. Um, Miami you've heat. got uh, Warriors. Oh. 
course, the that We Believe Warriors one. in 2007. Mm-hmm. For the Mavericks. Grizzlies beat the Spurs. That's the one. That's the one that people, I think, kind of forget The uh, in 14? 2011. Oh, 2011, right. yeah. The uh, the Grizzlies, who kind of tanked at the end of the season to get the Spurs and then, oh, yeah. uh, and then went on to beat them, which was one of the most remarkable things when you think of the quality on that Spurs team. Uh, and the Grizzlies were like, we'll take you guys on. And then they went on to beat them. So, uh, yeah, well done, guys. All right, Lee, the, how about the which of the eight seeds that are up right now, which do you think is more likely to actually pull off an upset in the whole series? Oh, I mean, it's tough to see LeBron losing in the first round. It's never happened before. So I guess I'm going to have to say the magic, um, just because, the, <laughs> you know, the Bucks are just not as proven as, as LeBron is. We've, we've seen LeBron in the playoffs do this before where he loses. You know, of course, being a Bulls fan there, Trey, against the Heat, they lost in the conference finals, I think, in mm-hmm. 20, uh, what was that, 2011? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was a gentleman's sweep from there. So uh, I, I, as much as I love Dame and I'd love to see Dame pull the offs, uh, the upset, I, I think it's more likely that it would be the uh, the magic. Yeah, and we got a, a question a little bit earlier on in the chat. Mario Perez asked, this being the bubble, is it more likely that we get an eight seed to upset uh, a one seed? Is, it, is the... Is the, the the chasm between these two teams bigger or smaller? Uh, and it's definitely smaller. It, it, yeah. It's it definitely you know, it's an equalizer for sure. Not having home court advantage, I think you. It's a problem for even just I think just uh, the routine of it all. I think LeBron's a routine man, especially being on this sure. planet a lot longer than the other dudes. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I think just being the old guy. I think that's part of it. And yeah. uh, and. and you see it like even when you get like the Damian Lillard five point shot, um, it, it hits it hits harder because you don't have that home court to bring you back, and, and mm-hmm. it goes the same way. If, if he was at home, uh, that would be more of a death knell than uh, than it is playing on this neutral site court. So it's it's a factor. It's definitely mm. an equalizer. You got to be playing great ball all the time. You can't just <laughs> you can't just hope like, hey, we're standing at the three point line and, and and things aren't going our way. But I'm going to bully our way through it. Like everybody feels like they can ball, and that's sort of going back to like what the role players are are feeling like too. Like they don't have uh, the the road uh, road crowd to to mm-hmm. take them out of their game. It's, well, that, it, yeah, it's happening. I mean, seeing the Raptors win the game one at home task proves that uh, uh, things are weird <laughs> down in the bubble. You know? so, uh, see, I, I'm, that's that's the, that's dead. That trope is dead. <laughs> Last year, yeah, they lost to the Magic. Then in round two, they beat the Sixers. Round three, they lost to the Bucks. Game one, and then round four, they beat the Warriors. Two of four. That's pretty yeah, good. But the, the problem Raptors. is the Raptors trailed every series apart from the finals, though. So they get you know they're going to give it back at some point here uh, <laughs> against the Nets. Actually, that's a. Uh, First game up today, uh, Nets and uh, Nets and Raptors. So yeah, we, we changed it up today. We changed it up today. Yeah, and I'll get to uh, the game of the day here. One one thirty start. They they dropped that baby to NBA TV today. The the Nets and the Raptors. George Carl was very angry talking about George <laughs> Carl tweets. He said the Jazz and the Nuggets are an exciting team. Stop putting them in the early slot. George Carl's going to be happy today. He's probably in the Seattle area, so he can watch his Jazz and Nuggets at, <laughs> at a decent time, one o'clock. But I I don't know what you guys are looking forward to. I mentioned those two games, Sixers and the Celtics also play, and then the Mavs and the Clippers as part of a triple header. I'm looking for uh, Joel Embiid. I know it's uh, sort of the trope we've been talking about, but it feels like a must win for them uh, to come back and, and beat the Celtics. And will Joel Embiid be able to bounce back? And, and talking about the Raptors last year, 
He didn't have a, a great game, too, um, but he was also sick in that series, and, and they they won that game, though. Um, they won that game, too. And he did have a great two, game, too, in the first series against the Brooklyn Nets, but I just I see a Brad Stevens team being able to adjust and take him out of his game even more so uh, than what he did in game one because he had his way in the first quarter, and I don't know if he's going to have that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Joel Embiid's got because, man, I like we talked about Tobias Harris. We talked about all those supporting cast players. I don't know if you're getting another 18 from Alex Alec Burks. I don't know if you're getting uh, that type of game from Josh Richardson again. And so what does Embiid got? He's got to carry this team. There is a lot on his shoulders without Ben Simmons in there. Uh, it's worrisome, man. It is very worrisome. If, if, if I'm a Sixers fan, it seemed like he was doing that for a lot of the game and he was tired in game one. What if they start doubling him more? Who's mm. going to step up? Yeah. Uh, somebody call Bill Walton. I need a 12-inch from Joel Embiid. Because <laughs> you're right, Tess. This is the way that the the Sixers are going to be able to win. And maybe, you know, maybe there's a little bit of momentum Philadelphia can have uh, with Gordon Hayward going out of the lineup. Maybe the, maybe the Sixers can feel like, hey, we're not the team that's totally injured right now, despite the fact that, yes, indeed they are. Uh, but yeah, Embiid's got to be massive. He's got to have a 40 and 20. He's got to be rolling to the basket rather than popping and pumping. Uh, so let's see if he's able to do it for an entire game. Always a huge question. Mm-hmm. Stop popping and pumping, Joel. Get inside. And just play, <laughs> play bully ball there. Uh, but but that's the thing. I mean, that, that's the one advantage the Sixers have there is, is that Tice can't stop him. So he just has to go Shaq. And if he has to go for 50 points by just going into the paint all day, that's what he should do. I mean, uh, that's where he just has to... He just has to use his uh, physical advantage that he has. Um, but but they're going to miss Hayward, I think, badly, uh, Boston. I mean, I know they're a very deep team and they're well coached, but I think Hayward is just the the he's the uh, equalizer for them. You know, he's very good defensively. He's very good offensively, but he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. He sort of picks his spot. So uh, who's going to fill that void is going to be a question. But I still think the Celtics have too much depth. But uh, I, think, I think the series go, I think I had the Celtics in a sweep. I think the Sixers get at least one now out of this series. All right, we will be back tomorrow wrapping up all those game twos. Looking forward to that. We got a quad header again, so uh, stick with us. We will be back 10 a.m. Eastern live on YouTube, but of course you can get the podcast anywhere you get your pods. And to wrap it up, of course, we first got to go to our Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining. Why are you laughing? Uh, I never get sick of it. It's just <laughs> Especially seeing it now. Here yes, yes. Nice bonus. All right, thanks for joining us. And remember, in the spirit of Blazers rookie Wenyan Gabriel's first bloody nose, courtesy of LeBron James, fourth quarters are now Wenyan time, not winning time. Not a great pun, but whatever. We'll see you tomorrow. You could stay.